Emily Lloyd Zaney. Are you there? I'm here, Anna Leung Brophy. Are you there? Right here, and I'm ready for another episode of Still Legit. Well, that's good because we're about to mother freaking do one. Mother freaking. Let's mother freaking do, do this, my mother freakers. <laughs> do you know who else is freaking ready to do this? The plane that's going over my house. Where are you even going, pals? They've probably got some oranges for us. Oh, it's a helicopter. It's Croydon. Come on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we get our oranges. <laughs> So welcome to another episode of Still Legit Podcast, the podcast where, Anna, can you do, can you describe it? Sure. Um, Still Legit, the podcast where we uh, look at the stories that we've been told throughout our lives through the form of popular culture and we ask ourselves, is it still legit? That was just a gorgeous summary of what this podcast is it's only taken 12 episodes (laughs) (laughs) still finding it still finding it still Still finding it it. it's a work in progress guys (laughs) and this week we are going to be revisiting the film crash and i say revisiting it was my first time and i'm absolutely furious with you anna i'm so sorry i was furious with my own self and i was watching it late at night and too late to message you and i thought to apologise. What the fuck have I done? I was so what? triggered throughout the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is too much. I was it's too trembling. It's too now. <laughs> it's too on. I really missed the fucking rom-coms that we've been watching. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, oh, we should probably break it up. This is why we haven't been breaking up, because we were going to have a full-on breakdown. So I honestly join got us so... For that. I mean, I know it's so different, but so angry in that Little Britain mini-sode. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was the angriest I could get, but no, no, now I'm furious with you. Oh, yeah. Do you remember when we did Thanks. Big and we were like, listen, before we get into this, we want to tell you, go and watch it. You have to watch It's just great. Whether it's legit or not, it's just great lockdown watching. Now I'm like, turn the TV off, go to sleep, don't look at the world. Don't look, <laughs> yeah. In fact, just find a nice picture of a kitten. <laughs> just go for that. We'll, yeah. we'll do the trauma so you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're so welcome, everybody. Some of you will have watched Crash before. Some of you will not have. Um, Anna, you're going to have to. You're going to have to take this one, babe. Okay, sure. Okay, I'm prepared for this. Oh, are you? Yeah, oh, no, because yeah. I was like, how the fuck do you summarize this? So, Crash is a 2004 Oscar-winning oh. film, um, yeah. and it follows 12 people uh, in Los Angeles. Angel Enhos. I don't know, that's wrong. I don't know how to say it. <laughs> I looked at the word and I was like, oh, do they say Half as Ange- Angels, yeah. Angelen- Angelenos, Angelinos? Mm, because yes. I have noticed America, sorry, American listeners, but you do, you take Spanish words and then you bastardize them in a yes. way is like to, to offend, just to really stick it to... Anyone who's saying it in a Spanish <laughs> way. Really stick it to the fact like, yeah, no, we... You know, we took we took some South America, we made it ours, and... This is how you should say it, okay, Mexico? Los Feliz, um, Los Feliz. Yeah, well, that's where we stayed. In, um, when we went in LA, yeah. we stayed. And I was like... And everyone was like, Los, Los Feliz. Los Feliz. Los Feliz. And they were like, oh no, we don't say it the way it should be pronounced. <laughs> we it's just a big <laughs> fuck you to any Mexicans who happen to be around. Um, yeah. So I would have thought it was Angelenos. But maybe it's with LA babes. Angelinos. Angelinos. Los Angelinos. The Angelinos. Anyway, 
That was a very terrible detour <laughs> from this succinct. <laughs> so we've got 12 people in LA. Um, all seemingly unconnected and they kind of all interact in... I just got a word that's going to help. Intertwine. All intertwines. All their stories intertwangle. And, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's a, it's kind of the whole film is about prejudice and race and how that kind of affects the day-to-day lives of these people in big and small ways. And uh, I I don't know how I've managed not to know that. I mean, I knew it, I knew there was race connotations in there. Oh right, I went in yeah. completely blind. I went in even without a blurb. Oh, she didn't even have a blurb, guys. I didn't even have a blurb. She didn't have a blurb. Two minutes into the film, I'm like, wow. Three minutes, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Oh, okay. So before we get into yeah. it, let's check in. You're right, Emily. Come on, tell me. Are you all right? I've made a a rash decision. That, okay. Well, no, I, I made a rash decision. I've gone back on it now. I've been good. I nearly got a cat. Oh, you didn't? I didn't get the cat. Why? That's the so shittest rash decision to go back on ever. No, and it, well, okay, so I am five weeks away from having, potentially having a child and in my life. And don't you stop banging on about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Did anyone know? Did anyone know I'm pregnant? God, I'm really not ready to tell anyone. <laughs> so uh, our neighbours messaged us. They work at the community kitchen twice a week uh, and said, uh, with a picture of the cutest, what I thought was kitten, saying that this kitten has chosen some someone around the corner as they've just walked into the house and made themselves like I live here now. They've been really neglected and they're not very well. They're at the vets now, but it needs a home. They can't look after it. And I was like, that's my cat. Straight up, that's yeah. my cat. I have to have that cat. Asked John. John was like, that's our cat. We have to have that cat. And <laughs> now... This is where I want the story she, to end. And then I want you to yeah, show us a picture I of know. the cat. She said it's with um, a, a rescuer. Just give them a call and see what the vet said. A tiny mouse. <laughs> <laughs> it's with a rescuer who's being looked after by a borrower. Lots of tiny people looking after a tiny kitten. Anyway, turns out she's I not a that. kitten. She's really old and they think she's got really strong underlying medical issues. And, and you were like, I only want a good one. Tell it to I'm go sorry. Itself. Yeah. Really Why would you even dare to bring this to my attention? Has to be an indoor cat. And I just thought, oh, well, actually, you know, probably better than a kitten because I'm about to have a little one and I don't want a little nut bar, you know. You have a baby. Oh my God, did I not tell you? <laughs> <laughs> this is my announcement. Um, I'm pregnant. I'm very excited. Um, no, anyway, I called this, I called the guy up yeah. that is the rescuer. I'm not even going to give you because it is a really good charity and I am going to donate to the charity. But this rescuer has 17 cats that they have rescued, only wants any of the cats to be indoor cats because of his paranoia about um, a, a cat killer that is known as the Croydon Cat Killer, which he absolutely hates. And he told me in great detail why it should be called the M25 Cat Killer. And he's like, when you've seen the things I've seen. Oh, he doesn't hate the killer. He hates the name of the killer being too specific to Croydon. He thinks that it's, 
it's he's less likely to, or they are less likely to be caught if they're kind of called the Croydon cat killer. This is a fucking hilarious. <laughs> oh my god! This is not a true crime podcast. This is not. I repeat, it is a true now. crime podcast. But. Honestly, the guy, I could not get him off the phone. He wants me to have one of his 17 cats, probably not her, but they have to be indoor. He doesn't want them let outside. And I was like, well, we've got a cat flap. We want a cat and a garden, yeah. going outdoors and a lovely yeah, garden. And there's loads of cats in a big world. Yeah. And uh, he just wouldn't, he wouldn't get off the phone and he would not stop me about telling me about the things that he has seen. I can't believe that a man who has 17 cats had an antisocial behaviour situation on his hands. That's so weird. Whenever there's a mutilation, it's me that's called. Um, wow. And uh, I went to a house the other week and um, there was a guy in there. Yes, Anna, you recognise the voice. I'm loving <laughs> Mr. The same Jan. voice that I use for my, my old landlord from Liverpool. Um, I was called to a house the other week. The cat had been in there for six weeks. I've got him now. Um, <laughs> it's like, okay, um, can I go? Good Lord. So I went back on it and I was like, I don't, I don't want to come to your house and witness this cat. It's also an old cat, but it's very poorly. Just going to say. I have promised to make a big donation. 17 cats. I would say that's too many cats. He says it's too many cats though, but he won't give give the cats to people. I would say it's too many by 13. I think you're right. 14? Yeah. I think you're, you're probably about Three right. Three cats is cats, right? Three cats is, yeah. I was like, your house stinks, I bet. Oh, God, yeah. Especially if they're all indoor. That's a lot of poop. Wow. Wow. So I don't have a cat. So no, I'm not all right. Because I got so excited. I got so excited about having one. But um, well, no. She wasn't don't your have cat. One. That's okay. Cool story, bro. <laughs> no, I, I I was on a real roller coaster. And until you mentioned old... 17 cats who I'm just going to go out on a limb and say is 100% the Croydon cat killer. Oh, it's him. Yeah, it's him. It's him. I'm just going to say Anna, could you not call him that, please? He really doesn't like it. Sorry, the M25 cat killer. Oh, well done. Is that better? (laughs) Oh, yeah, I remembered both of his monikers. But honestly, I was was 100% more... I I forgot, I forgot, like you may have forgotten that I was pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was like, a cat! That's okay. I have no other responsibilities in my life. Yeah, because cats are, you know, fluffier than kids, as a general rule. Are they? Do you think so? Well, it depends, unless you get one of those really nice downy so ones. clean. They're always cleaning themselves. I said fluffier. Oh, I thought you said clean. <laughs> <laughs> what? Baby brain. Baby brain. Have I mentioned I'm having a baby with a brain? What? <laughs> happening <laughs> oh god this is amazing you're you're seeing baby brain in action in real in time. action yeah a lot of people don't realize it's a thing like pre-baby but it, it really is it's very fascinating the science behind it yeah so well everyone you're welcome yeah <laughs> we'll discuss that and cut it out of the podcast shall we shall we <laughs> <laughs> i think we should just Crash right into today's oh, shit. episode. Oh shit! Oh shit! Fucking hell! So, crash. First impressions, right from the beginning. Go. Um, I two minutes in, I was like, wow. When the female officer 
uh, starts being racist towards the East Asian lady. So is that's, that's right at the beginning, isn't it? That is literally right at the beginning, but I didn't see it coming. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, this is what we're dealing with. And then as it went on, I was like, oh, this is what we're dealing with. Yeah. So first impressions to me was a lot heavier and a lot more problem, a lot more problematic than I expected it to be. Actually. See, the weird thing... For an Oscar-winning film about race, I didn't expect myself to end up so angry about how it was portrayed. Well, yes, that's interesting, though, because I felt like it started and I was, like, taking notes left, right and centre because I, yeah. I did watch it um, back in the day, but that was a long time I ago. Were, I did watch it last night, but I was also doing cr- crochet. No, although I am doing crochet because I'm making you a baby blanket in case you ever Why? get pregnant. Why? <laughs> <laughs> um, but... As it went on, I was like, oh, there's no point making notes on all the racist stuff because that is literally the point of the film. And so I relaxed a little bit in that and just concentrated on doing lots of deep breathing for the amount I was so incredibly triggered. Um, Like the little snowflake that I am. But, you know... It's a weird one to watch now, isn't it? From 2004... To watch right now in the heat of what's going on at the moment, it's it was really there's a line that Sandra no not Sandra Bullock um, who looks exactly like Sandra ludicrous says, <laughs> <laughs> no they were talking about being shot and it's like they're not you think oh no it is ludicrous he says you think you think the police are gonna you think the police are gonna shoot you on this road in front of everyone. And it made me feel really like tight chested because of, I'm like, well, do you know actually, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. They probably would. But then he also says the trigger happy LAPD. And yeah, I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, right at the beginning, there's this uh, interaction with Luda. And uh, he's very good. I love He's very Lucas. good. Um, such a lovely, smooth face. Do you always think that? Such I've always a smooth thought face. he's just got such a lovely. Yeah, I don't always think I'm it, always but now really you say like, it, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Face. Anyway, um, he's talking to um, yeah, I can't. I think his name's Chris. I want to say his name's Chris. I want to say oh, Mark. I, there's so there's so many characters in this, and they're not. There's there no leads, and I did find it very like a bit wishy-washy at the end when they basically just put the whole cast in alphabetical order in the credits. And I was like, (laughs) this is not helpful because the first person you've put up is like, so one of the third people is um, motorcycle cop. And I'm like, oh, yes, we get it because you didn't want to top bill anyone because then, oh, race, (laughs) oh, you know, whatever it is, whatever they're like. Oh, it's, it's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, My baby Ensemble. Ensemble Thank you. It's an ensemble piece. We don't want to top bill anyone. But anyway, thank you. Um, but let's just say, I mean, spoilers, but he's t- Don Cheadle's brother, which I saw coming from 1,000 yeah. miles away. Really but there you go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're out on the street in this nice bit of town. And Ludacris is being really kind of, um, open your eyes, brother. This is how people see us. Like, look at that woman. She's just assuming that. Um, so it 
She's assuming that we're bad people. We don't dress She's as very aware of the stereotype that has been forced upon them in a predominantly yeah. white area. But they, he's you know he comes out of a of a diner complaining about how he was overlooked by the waitress and so on and so on. But then it turns out he hasn't paid, so therefore has reinforced the stereotype. And then it's a, the rug pull again, where he's like, "Oh, that woman thinks we're going to rob them," yeah. and then they do rob them. And I was like, oh, okay, that's what this film's doing. It's playing in, you call out the stereotype and then you play into it. We're, we're all kind of woke, but not realising who yeah, we really are. It's so complicated because everyone is so fucking yeah. racist to everyone the whole way through. I mean, Matt Dillon's character is probably the shining example of that. And he does play it very well. I think we should talk about him overall in a little bit. But my question, Emily, yeah. is yeah. to you, what is the message of this film? Right. So this is, this is, I had a big think about this as well afterwards when I sat in silence staring at the wall. I think if, is it, and I'm asking it, I'm answering it as a question. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> is it highlighting the prejudice that lies within all of us on different levels where it can be surface it can be I don't feel like that but it comes out in a different way and uh if so it does do that but honestly I think a message that it didn't realize that it was sending is the message of the white savior oh my god a hundred percent and that's what I was going to say when we come on to Matt Dillon yeah it's big time white saviorville who gets a redemption arc who gets a, an arc where they move forward and they get to somewhere? Only the white characters. Sandra Bullock does. Sandra Matt Bullock's does. character is a disaster. She's so bad. And so bad. The, oh, so um, Matt Dillon, who plays a racist cop, and Ryan Philippe, who plays his not racist partner, Tandy Newton and uh, Terence Terence Howard, um, who are like a very well-to-do. He's a film director well-to-do black couple who gets stopped and searched by Matt Dillon. And then Matt Dillon, after feeling Tandy Newton up on a stop and search for no reason, then the net, which, oh my God, it made me feel so Out of his anger to degrade and uh, have a submission of a black woman. Yeah. I assume. Yeah, and just because he's fully a racist. And he's a prick. Then he then saves her the next day from a car crash and she's... Yeah, and there's so much slow mo <laughs> around that moment, I was like, and it's he does not deserve that fucking slow-mo, redemption. Man. Yeah, and he's and it's the like redemption slow mo, the redemption yeah. slow mo, <laughs> and that's the picture that is used so much in in kind of uh, uh, publicity shots and things like that is of him like cradling her, holding her, yeah, and I'm like. So we're meant to be big whoop about. There's a lot of those things. We're meant to be super proud of white hero Matt Dillon because he actually saves, he goes to save this woman's life and then he sees... And we realise when it comes down to it, colour doesn't matter to him and he'll do anything for his, you know, to save the, Mate, the person. he's fucking... It's so much easier to do one noble act than to, yeah. than to not do lots of small microaggressions. And it's just, yeah. the film is wall-to-wall microaggressions against... And I just, I wrote down at one point, there's just so much pain in the world and people are just spreading it around. Yes. They're just yeah, all... Yeah, spreading their it, pain. And I think that is relevant. I think that is important. Yeah. 
but it's like agonizing to watch actually yeah. like the amount of pain that also uh just on that white savior kind of thread yeah i what did piss me off a little um was how okay if you look at how angry everyone is in it because of this pain is being spread the men usually are quite calm within it in that even in matt dylan's kind of aggressions mm-hmm. he's kind of you got Tandy Newton who gets really angry straight away. And that's something I want to talk to you about, actually, because I found it interesting, my response to her mouthing off in her situation. I'll just come back to that in a yeah. sec. But you've got Tandy Newton's angry. You've got the the wife of the Chinese man who is... Yeah. Who's just shouting and angry. You've got Sandra Bullock who is shouting and angry. And I'm like... And, uh, even and, end, and Jennifer Esposito loses her shit for... Uh, yeah. Yeah. But and I'm like, oh, all these angry people, and the angry people tend not to be the white people generally, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. apart from Sandra Bullock's character. I want to talk to you about the Tandy Newton thing real quick. Go ahead. When they're pulled over, mm-hmm. but they're obviously quite affluent. They they don't think anything's going to happen. When they end up getting pulled over, she she is a bit just drunk hold 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 she, on for one second. I think it's important to yeah. say that everyone drives the most fucking ridiculously massive cars. It's a navigator, because Ludacris has to It's a fucking navigator. navigator. I'm like, all right, I get it. Fast and Furious style, Luda, but... (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm like, Sponsored by. (laughs) How? And they're like, uh, they're following them, aren't they, to to Mm -hmm. try and stop this car. The police are. And we're meant to get this vibe that Ryan Philippe is like, why are you stopping them just because the driver's black? I'm like, how can you see the driver? How can you see him? He's basically in a fucking armoured tank. There's, there's yeah, no, no way you there. can see this man. So they pull them over. They they get them out of the car. They're quite rough with Terence Howard's character. And they end up, well, Matt Dillon ends up kind of sexually assaulting mm. um, Tanya. But she is mouthing off. And I found it so interesting that I wanted her to shut up. Well, this is the thing. Isn't that, I was like, why won't she shush? Why won't she shush? I know me in that situation and I know you in that situation, Anna, and you get us on the right or the wrong day, we don't shut up. And I thought that if if it, if that had been the film, that would have been so much to think about, just that stop and search. Because yeah. the, the beats are like, they're stopped. She's blowing her husband. Um, yeah. There's absolutely no reason for this stop and search. And then he starts like, basically Matt Dillon, the policeman, is escalating it. He's escalating, escalating. Yeah. Step out of the yeah. car, sir. Hands where I can see them, all this sort of thing. And of course, it's so, so close to so many of the interactions. So that now, because that's 2004. And yes, people did have mobile phones, but not the kind of mobile phones that you're filming stuff on. Whereas now, there's endless amounts of footage of these kind of pointless escalations by police. Yeah. Where... I think those are the things that make that make me so stressed out because I'm like, yeah. there is nothing this man, Terence Howard, the film director, who's been stopped and is taking out. On the one hand, he has two policemen who could easily kill him, arrest and him. He knows the world he's living in Hurt as well. him. He knows it. Yeah. You see it. And on the other hand... He has a wife who is not going to respect him for staying quiet. He's he's got a wife who's being assaulted by a man in front of his face who is then saying to him, why don't you just apologize to me? As yeah. he's basically like fucking cupping her vulva. Yeah. And... <laughs> 
But, sure. but sure, the sure. whole thing is like, this is the, the, the maddening situation when people would like, try to victim blame yeah. victims of stop and search or well, people who are wrongly arrested. Do we see it? On the comments of things being like, well, if you you should just go along with it. If you've got nothing to hide, if an officer stops you, just go along with it. Just go along with it. And they don't understand why people yeah. would speak up and say, you don't have any right to do this to me. Because you are meant so to have rights. You know, you're, yeah. you, you are afforded rights in that situation, but the power yeah. dynamic is so off. And as soon as that first escalation happens, you're like... I'm completely powerless. I have nothing. There's nothing I can do because it's like in an argument with a partner, right? If they say, I know you were going to do this and you're like, no, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. I wasn't going to do it. I wasn't. I had nothing. I was just going to sit here. The more you say that you weren't going to do the truthful thing that you really weren't going to do, the more that it, they're shaking their head being like, mm-hmm. well, why are, you, why, are you, why are you getting so angry You're for proving then? proving me right now. Why are you protesting yeah. so much? Because yeah. the no smoke without fire fallacy is so prevalent. Once you've been stopped, you're already on fire as far as anyone's concerned. So they're just wait, looking for the excuse. Oh, it's so yeah. distressing. It's so stressful. It was really stressful. But I thought, I found it really interesting. That I was like, I said to John, it's weird because yeah. I'm just like, why won't she shut up? She's going to get them killed. She's going to get them killed. Well, that's it, isn't it? And it's a huge gargantuan thing for him to manage the situation. And he does manage the situation, but at huge cost to both his his personal dignity, his wife's dignity, and to his relationship. And it asks the question in those, because look, it made me think of a situation in my life, Uh in my life. I don't know what that's In your life? Yeah. What is a situation? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. We don't have enough jingles in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, hey, guess what, guys? I don't want to jump on the bandwagon, but I hate racism. (laughs) Oh, Anna, no, you can't come to this podcast with such a closed mind. You have to be open (laughs) to embracing racism as well. Otherwise, we'll never find anything. Yeah, you're right. But um, (laughs) I've always had a very, very strong response to racism directed towards me mm-hmm. and I know that's not what everyone does some people are like I'm just gonna be quiet and take it you know I'm gonna move you know blah blah blah, blah. but characteristically growing up I would always if I heard someone say something I would confront them yeah and I was walking home one day I was at drama school yeah guys I'm trained what of it <laughs> <laughs> I'm pregnant. She's trained. Come on. Um, I'm walking back with my boyfriend at the time and his brother. He was just us. Yeah. And we were walking home. We'd done like a charity thing at the school and we lived like five minutes away from the drama school, but we walked past this like green where there was a little um, playground bit. And this was in Loughton, right? This is in Essex and it was a super BMP area then. Obviously, I've not lived there for a long time, but it was BMP leaflets through your door all the time. Welcoming, very welcoming. You know, yeah, it was it was bad and not a nice place to live for me. Anyway, we're walking past and so these kids, I meant to say, there's a lot of basically very racist white kids that have nothing to do because they live in the green belt and they're bored right. and, you know... So they're all hanging out in the playground. They start throwing bottles, like glass bottles at us. Fucking hell. 
And then just because I'm, I don't think at any point anything had been said then, but because I'm just generally rowdy. <laughs> oh, Anna. Getting I, to know Anna Brody. Yeah. <laughs> she rowdy. <laughs> I was like, this is an injustice. This is not right. So I went over and I was like, what are you doing? Because I think one of them hit my boyfriend or like smashed in front of us. You know, it was, it was, it was intense. It was close. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot. And so I went over and I was like, what are you doing? Like, just sort your lives out, whatever. And then they started being really fucking racist. And it Uh was like, it was a really nice blend of like misogyny and racism, you know, like control. Yeah. Yeah. It was like control your fucking chinky girlfriend, Uh something like that, you know, along those lines. Um, and I just so got, they got the right girlfriend, Anna. Otherwise, they wouldn't know. Otherwise, they wouldn't know. Your boyfriend wouldn't know who they were talking about. So, <laughs> so fucking awful. So distressing. Um, yeah. So, so it was awful. It was awful. And I lost my shit, mm-hmm. and I started getting really obviously angry, and was like, "How dare you? That's racist." Whatever. And I realised, and then basically it all kicked off. Yeah. And suddenly I realized, even though these are lots of young kids, they are essentially, there's like 15 of them and they're all fucking related. All of them were like, what are you saying to my cousin? I'm like, how is everyone your cousin? <laughs> what awful family parties you must have. <laughs> no. And he was this, he, it was this one really big guy. And then, and there were some who were trying to calm it down. Blah, blah, blah. But then, okay. It just, it kicked the fuck Do you mean off. kick off as in it got into a physical fight? It was a fight. physical fight. They and what happened was uh, everyone, all of us three, got the shit kicked out of us because there was loads oh of them. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, they hit you. The girls, see, the girls the took girls. me. The girls took me. So I pulled That's my cute. hair out. They had me down on the ground. They beat me up. Um, oh, and the boys were getting hit with things like, oh, my boyfriend's brother's eardrum got burst. Like, oh my god, this yeah, is awful. Essentially, and I'm sorry that that was traumatizing for anybody. Um, oh, and then they stole the money that we'd raised for charity. They had like a bucket of oh, because you come back quids or whatever, thing. you know. Anyway, mm. the long and short of that was was a real realization for me: a that I never ever want to live in Essex <laughs> ever again. <laughs> sorry, guys. I know there's lots of nice places in Essex. I'm but, out, <laughs> but uh, it was the fact that. As a woman, and this happens in lots of different situations, scenarios, doesn't have to be just as a woman. As a woman in that scenario with two guys, I was writing checks that I I didn't have to cash. Yeah. And I've definitely been in that situation where I'm like, I put you in danger there, didn't I? I put the guys in danger because of what I was doing. And part of that is down to sexism because it's like, this is my beef that I've got with you. If you want to start something, you can start it with me. Yeah. But there's so many situations where I feel safer without a guy there. Yes. Than with a guy there. To speak, to speak up, do you know? To you speak up. To speak up. I'd rather be yeah. on my own because I'm yeah. responsible for my own self. I can take it or leave it for my own self. Yeah. And I don't have to be responsible for... I, and you can get away with saying a certain amount of things, home yeah. truths, as a woman on their own, just because guys, quote unquote, won't hurt a woman or just set their cousins on them. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird because I think in the situation that I was, it was not similar at all because there was no physical violence, but in the situation that I put John in where I spoke up for something and the guy started on John, mm. it, it really did remind me of that because one, I realised that I'd put him in danger, but then you, there is a feeling when I know John doesn't want me to speak up 
that I'm like, you're not an ally. Yes. Why, aren't you, why haven't you got my back? But it's because you might get killed. The two things, why. yeah, the two things kind of run concurrently, right? They really mm. do. It's a really, really difficult situation. Obviously, the character in this instance, she's also drunk. But I did get this, you know, they kind of tinker with the idea that she, she's like, quite privileged she's kind of yeah been living in white society yeah. uh he makes a comment at one they point they call like, each other out actually for that don't yeah they? He's like, they, they accuse each other of not being black yeah but essentially but and there, there are different connotations of being they're both light-skinned they're both light-skinned black but tandy newton is like she's so she presents so kind of that's that's kind of brought up as, as well in the thing like Oh, you thought a white woman was blowing a black guy. And your cracker ass got blown. Because she she does pass much more as as white from the from you know, you have to really look at her and oh yeah, right, okay, I see she's black. But she's got very white features and she's got her like long, silky, relaxed hair and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I completely agree and I thought that was so interesting that scenario, because you're right, she doesn't seem to be quite understanding the checks she's potentially writing for her husband. For her husband, yeah. And for her own self, but probably particularly for him. Yeah. It's much easier for them. Well, her own self, she ends up getting assaulted, but she doesn't, I don't think she initially sees, does she? Yeah. She wrote that check, as it were. Yeah, and and certainly she... (laughs) We're not, also, she didn't. Yeah, exactly. Never, yeah, we're it's n- never okay to sexually assault someone. We're absolutely not saying that. Yeah. Oh, well, she probably brought that on herself. It's more... <laughs> well, she should have been quiet, shouldn't she? Horrible, horrible thing. It's reflected as well in the Michael Peña storyline where he's talking to his That's daughter. That's my favourite storyline. Um, I think it's so endearing. I'm going to come back She's to that because I have thoughts yes, on that. Will. But um, <laughs> uh, he kind of like is talking to her about bullets and getting shot and are you still scared these are the things that people have to tell their children and have to bear in mind that people with privilege don't like you yes. don't have to go listen son if you get stopped and searched this is what you have to do and the reason why is because you are so much more likely to a get stopped and searched and b be taken advantage of and yes hurt. and i think that's mm. prevalent with uh, Ludacris, Ludacris's character as well. Mm-hmm. I think he's, uh, in a way, become the perpetrator of what he was accused of. Sorry, the, mm, what is it? He's been accused of being a certain way for so long that he's like, well, why be anything else? But I don't think, uh, see, the way that I think I he's... don't think he's as, I think that's for the viewer, not for, not for him. He doesn't realise that. But I almost think that. It's it's more kind of like a flip with him. He's like, oh, white people want to bring us down. They want to keep us down. Therefore, I'm going to bring white people down. So he's like, I, I would never steal from a black person. He has no respect for his... Until later in the film. Which he, you know, it's again, prejudice. He saw the big car. They didn't think it was going to be a black guy. And it was a black guy. Yeah. And then it's too late. That's one of the clever things about the film. I I do think the layering of the prejudice that we see Mm. and don't see and feel and would say, it's like the people that say, I'm not racist. And me and you and Anna Anna would say, we all are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is no way you can live in this society without having some racism. Yeah. uh, And we work on it and we grow. With the sum Um, of our experiences and especially in America, but definitely here in the UK as well. Yeah. We are taught from age zero, black men are scary. So 
look look at all the crimes they're committing. You know, that's what's on yeah. the news. That's what's reported in America. It's even more so, so you know. BAME, we're other. We are other. But I genuinely think like... There's white and other. There's a really interesting test done by... Is a test, um, you can take it online. In fact, I encourage you to do it. And we can put it in the the show notes. I'm just going to quickly look up the name of it. Yeah. Um, Project Implicit, I think it's called. Oh, I haven't seen it. Okay. It's a race-based implicit association test. Okay. So what it does is... Now, I don't know it's absolute fallibility and fallibility i haven't looked it up before the podcast but i still think it's worth checking out okay okay so there's a list of words basically and you have to click whether it's good or bad and it's it's measuring how quickly you react on things right so in the first round it will be something like uh father and white right so but you don't have you don't look at the race you just look at the the other word and you decide whether that's good or bad so family and you're like oh family's good Sunshine, sunshine's good. Love, love's good, right? And so, right. and then if it says something like guns, then you're like, okay, that's bad. Violence, that's bad, okay? Yeah. So you first do that, and then you do it, and it will add white or black to it. So it would be like uh-huh. family, white. But you you disregard the word white, you're just still looking for that word. Okay, right. so family's good. Okay, violence is bad. If it says violence and black, people can very easily go bad, bad, family, white, good, good. Then they switch it and it will be things like violence, white, or love, black. And it takes people longer to separate the two words really? because uh-huh. they're like, there's a dissonance in your brain that's been bred in from the media <laughs> and forever forever literally since we've been born we've been bombarded with it that breeds in this thing of oh hang on okay yes family's good but it says black oh wait gun is bad but it says white and white is good whereas when it says black and gun you're like yep yeah, bad easy both those things go in the bad <gasps> box and both those things go in the white box you can try it it's online and it's free oh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna try it yeah um but it's so true so and then what it does is show you i guess the prejudice that lies within all of us and this film as well anna this film i mean the only corruption that has no it, within the police force actually so you've got matt dylan you've got don Cheadle. um what's thingy esposito's first Gen- name jennifer esposito yeah just you've got ryan philippe it's all like the only real corruption that we see that isn't given, oh, this is where we know where they're coming from, is Don Cheadle's character. You know, when we see him being pressured into into lying about... Say that all the, again, the I'm cop, so killing sorry. The white cop. So you think that that's the only so bit... So they set up a situation where we're like, oh, um, so Don Cheadle's investigating a situation where a black cop has been shot by a white cop. Mm-hmm. And we're like, and then the... Uh, Brendan Fraser's trying to say, okay, well, let's say it was a racist cop killing. Otherwise, I I lose the black vote. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So there's that. Then it turns out the black cop was, there was money in the car that he was in. Yeah. So he can't really, he doesn't want that to fly, really. And then Don Cheadle, um, Don Cheadle's character ends up kind of saying, okay, I'll go with your story. We'll go with the racist. They basically pressure okay. him 
they pressure him into yeah. into uh, disregarding the potential for the black cop to have been doing something dodgy because they want to sell it as That's a, good a black hero shot down in his prime. But and the other side of that, you've got Matt Dillon's boss, who is the chief of the LAPD, mm-hmm. who is a black man who's like... Ryan Philippe wants to leave the partnership because Matt Dillon is such a fucking racist and his boss is like, do you know how long it took me to get here? Yeah, which I'm I, gonna say, I I'm thought... Gonna call out the racism. Yeah. What I'm saying is that all the corruption you see... I just feel like... Go on, what is it? On, sorry, it's on the white saviour thing. Um, all the corruption you see that is not got any redemption or backstory or context is from black people. I feel like nobody gets their their arc, their circle, unless they're white in the film. I'm quiet because I'm thinking. Okay. I'm trying to figure out if I think that's true or not. (laughs) They don't. I looked. I mean, I would say, and I think it's complete fucking bullshit, um, (laughs) is ludicrous at the end, is he... What is he, that situation? Yeah, it's a whole thing. I'm really sorry. I think this is a very hard one to discuss if you've not if you've not seen it or you've not remembered it. So he he was tasked with stealing another car. Obviously, he tries to steal Terence Howard's car. Shit goes down with that. He doesn't get that car. So he 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 goes back to right at the beginning of the film. They fucking hit and drag a Chinaman. Oh, and, and they keep saying Chinaman. And I was also like, East is Asian that- people are the only people who don't get any fucking words yeah, or story. Yeah, it's true. Um, and there's a, still a van there that the guy was, the Chinese guy was about to go into. He's not even Chinese, but whatever. So he goes back and steals that, takes it to the chop shop, and they they open the back, and there's loads of um, people, immigrants. Um, which I'm like, oh, is this is a slightly confusing because where did they come from? <laughs> it's not like even they're Mexican. The innocent Chinese in quote uh, in quotes man, even the Chinese man. Who who's the innocent man that gets hit in all of this? Oh, he's a human trafficker. Of course he is. But I'm I am a bit confused as to like I understand a truckload of you know Mexican immigrants or uh, and these were so- Thai, someone from. I mean, no, they they never discovered it. They don't. Well, they're just one racist guy tells us that they're Thai. Where where did they come from? I mean, I suppose they could have come off a ship. And then been put into the back of the van? I think it's very weak. I think there's no point even. That's, I don't think the, the, the writer even knows, Anna. It's playing on that on that trope of a van full of immigrants. But I think you have to go across, <laughs> across land if you're going to have a van <laughs> full of immigrants. Anyway, and then the chop shop guy is like, yeah, I'll buy these, like, basically, as, as, and sell them on, you know, into slavery or sex trafficking or what have you. And... We see Ludacris has been so noble and he's taken... What a guy. What he a didn't guy. He them. didn't sell 20, uh, 20 completely defenceless people who were chained in the back of a van he stole. He goes to Chinatown and then like herds them out as if he's like, out you get, out you get, buy yourself some chop suey. Freedom. Here's America. I have $40. None of them talk. None of them and talk. And then, then does a kind of, not look to camera, but a kind of pause on a close-up of his face as he goes you know like i've really changed <laughs> he's smart he does like a little wry chuckle to himself like <laughs> what am i what like what a funny old day i'm what, having yeah exactly and i was like <laughs> what the fuck are we meant to be like oh wow luda you've really changed 
That's yeah. such a good thing to do. It's like, surely you weren't actually going to be like, you know what's just on par as stealing a car from a white person, which I'm very ethical about, selling 20 people into slavery. Yeah. What? Of course you and would. I'm just going to... I'm going to let them go free because that's the kind of guy I am. Let them go free into a place where they have no clothes, no home, no connection, actually, because this is just Chinatown. $40 for chop suey. So, and then, and then, so that's pretty much the last shot. And then we see Shaniqua, who had a really, really nice, strong storyline. And then she's just immediately being racist to some more people because they're. Oh, I hated that. And then I Stereophonics starts playing. Maybe the tomorrow. The crime of this film is ending it with Stereophonics. Oh. Yeah. Not <laughs> legit. I was Absolutely like. Absolutely get out of it. It's 2004. You've got no excuse. That's not how you end a film. Maybe tomorrow, tomorrow I'll be less racist. The <laughs> fuck are you doing to your own film here? Anna, who in this film mm. do you think is the most innocent um, of racial prejudice? Maria. Maria Sandra Bullock's maid, who she hugs at the end and is like. Um, you're my best friend. And then we focus on Sandra Bullock's face and we do not get to see the, a single reaction shot from this maid. And there's been zero anything from the maid. And I'm like, you did not give enough time to this storyline if you wanted her to do this. You just yeah. had to have the maid do one kind thing for her that wasn't a but maid also thing. the fact that she's only going to stop being racist when something is done for her. So, and, and also I'm like, is this, is this message meant to be... I'm a rich white woman, therefore I have no friends. Yeah. I also, I'm a rich white woman. I'm so angry at every foreigner because I have no trust. I don't trust anyone. I'm so angry. And obviously she's got some kind of traumatic... Uh, she's got some... Uh, she's stressed out. From the, yeah. But just even that, like, oh, I've just realised that the maid that I fired is the only person who's here for me and she's Mexican. What, what, because she did something for you, you're going to forgive her. Oh, and we're not even going to see her face. Again, you're right. It's like, white saviour, white saviour. Because now we're like, oh, lucky Maria, she's been taken into... No. Okay, I'm... Look, Sandra Bullock has realised her ways. I'm going to say this, um, and I think from what you said earlier, that you might not agree with me. Uh Uh-oh. But I thought the whole magic bullet thing... First of all, I almost had a fucking heart attack. My brother came downstairs and was like, I heard a yelp. Are you Okay. So Michael Pena, who has a real rough ride of everything. Oh, I think he's the most pure of heart in this, by the way. I love him. I, love him. I think his character is, he doesn't... But I will also, I I've also got an issue with his storyline because he comes home and then his daughter's like under the bed and she's, he's like trying to comfort her and he's like, <laughs> oh, to try and make her feel better because she's obviously used, used to live, yeah, used to live in this rough neighbourhood. Oh, you won't believe me if I tell you. I think it's, I mean, that bit's all quite cute, right? But he is quite cute. I mean, even though he's gaslighting us, setting up that gaslight life. Um, <laughs> but he, they used to live in a bad neighbourhood where apparently a bullet came through their window and she's still worried about it. So he tells her a story that a fairy once came and put a invisible protection cloak around him and he's going to give Impenetrable it... Impenetrable. Yes, and he's going to give it to... That protects from bullets and knives and stuff. Yeah. And put it around her. And already I was like, well, I've got a fucking issue with this. Hang on a minute. Do you want to tell your five-year-old daughter that nothing can hurt her? Because <laughs> that is dangerous. And then when it comes to fruition, the Iraqi... Yeah, kids have no fear. You yeah, don't want a five-year-old to think that. The Iraqi... Um, shop owner 
he feels hard done by because he was broken into even after Michael Pena changed the locks. And he goes to try and steal money with this gun. Well, get money back. He thinks that Michael Pena is the one who robbed him, I think. Do Give you? Money. Yeah. See, I... He thinks he did it. Okay, I took it a different way. I thought, but either way, it works. But, anyway, but he, so he goes to seek his... Yeah. He's fuming, goes to seek vengeance. Ends up essentially shooting a little girl. Yeah. Um, the little girl runs out. It's like, oh, he doesn't have his protective... He doesn't have his protective cape, cape on. on. And runs and jumps on the dad. And the guy fires accidentally. And then... I mean, I jumped out of my skin. I thought I was going to die. I thought I was going to have a heart I a attack. I yelped and my brother came downstairs and was like, I heard a yelp. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but the film was being mean to me. Um, and it turns out eventually that it, it was a blank. He fired a blank. But he thinks, and again, this ties into this slight distrust. I, really hate that. I did hate this. Oh, he he thinks it's God has sent him a, an, a, a, an, angel. an angel, a Persian angel or whatever. Mate, when Michael Pena, when he comes around from what's just happened, he's going to put you in jail. Also, Surely. well, I don't think he will because they're just so used to, you know, his character's meant to be really used to this sort of violent lifestyle. But it's like, oh, we're meant to find that really like lovely that he's like, someone sent me this beautiful girl as a little angel. And actually his daughter's put blanks in his gun. It's like, yeah. well, this man is mad. Yeah, also, if someone's, if God sends you an angel, you're going to shoot her in the back. <laughs> you just need to, uh, this guy generally needs to just, he's just portrayed really poorly, it's I very think. very strange, very strange directorial writing. Well, I was just like the magic bullet. Well, no, 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 no. Y- you don't tell a child that, if someone shoots a gun at them, they're going to be fine. Don't tell the child that because if in normal circumstances, that child would be dead. <laughs> if yeah. if that shop owner's daughter hadn't put fucking blanks in his gun, she would be dead because you you told her nothing. Can, oh, I was walking in front of that car. Nothing happened to you. What? But it's all like, oh, we just want to see this like really hot dad telling like a lovely... Fairy value. Uh, I liked it. Fairy story. No, I get that. But I just don't but like that you're kind absolutely of fairy right, story of thing. <laughs> you're absolutely right. So we haven't talked about Matt Dillon at all, and we have to. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we do. I mean, we have, but we haven't, mm. you know? I think we do sum it up. He, he really, he does play it very well. And I think this sort of very kind of jaded, angry, racist cop, basically. And he kind of really... Is very openly racist. And actually, I'm oh, sorry to bounce. I think it all links. So I think it all links. This might, okay. this might be a, a restarting point in regards to Matt Dillon and, and the whole film. Was 2004 a time where everyone was just really fucking openly racist? Like the, um, yeah. like the DA's man who's trying to convince Don Cheadle to... Who says fucking black people. Who just says fucking black people. Fucking black people, am I right? To a black man, um, and is very, very sort of boldly justifying it and being like, come on, black people, do yourself a favor kind of thing. They're trying to do this thing where the white man who's like fucking black people is trying to make a black hero, whereas the black man who's like, excuse me, what did you say? Is going, well, it might be more complicated than that. And actually the white guy might have been right. Yes, race is very complicated. 
Yeah. But did we walk walk around going fucking black people in front of black people? No, we didn't. No, we didn't. But we're not in America or in the LAPD. I, I get that. But no, I don't think we did, Anna. I just wonder though, no, I don't think we did. because then there is. It is fifteen years ago. More is there now an element where everyone's like, "Oh no, I'm a, I'm a good person. I'm an ally." But all that hidden are they are they Ryan Philippe's? Are we more Ryan Philippe? Right. I think we're more Ryan Philippe's back in than back in the day. More Ryan yeah. Philippe's. Yeah. And which is just as uh, dangerous, if not which more. Is because Anna, if I was in a car with someone that I had given a lift to, which is Ryan Philippe's situation in the end realise that they look a bit like they've been in a scrap and then they start laughing at me or acting weirdly and then reach for their pocket. Maybe as a woman, I would be like, ah. Unfortunately, he goes, ah, with a gun and and kills him at point blank. Mm, mm -hmm. But I'm not saying I, I'm not saying I understand. No, but is it, yeah, that's interesting. So you're saying you understand and condone just killing people in your car. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I think, yeah, it's that I'm not prejudiced. I'm not racist. I'm not racist. These are all the reasons I will call out racism. I will do it to, you know, I will do it loudly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I still have it. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's that's what the that's what's intrinsic in that bit is that we already know about this young black guy uh, who hitches a ride with Ryan Philippe off duty police officer mm-hmm. that he does like hockey. And he, mm-hmm. you know, he makes a joke. He sort of makes a comment about country music. Yeah. Um, and these are all taken the wrong way by Ryan Philippe's character because he's making assumptions about a black man wouldn't play hockey. A black guy wouldn't be interested in country music if he's reaching in his pocket. And yeah, honestly, I really recommend Malcolm Gladwell's book, Blink. Mm-hmm to you dear listener (laughs) because um he has a very interesting discussion in there about people who think they would absolutely give a black person a job they absolutely would but out of all the candidates that they interviewed they felt like the best fit for the organization they truly believe it the best fit and the person who's best qualified for the job is the white person that came in right yeah And then he looks at that, how our innate prejudices means that from the very moment the black person walks in the door, let's say you've got Eddie Murphy's CV and then Eddie Murphy walks in and you're like, oh, Eddie Murphy's black. Oh, hello. There's already a moment of like disconnect there where you're not like, hi, how are you? You're like, oh, uh, hello. Hi. They, the person who's just walked in, Eddie Murphy in this instance, (laughs) Mm -hmm. senses that everyone's a little bit off kilter. Then we sit down, you're overcompensating. They're trying to be cool. Da, 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 da. The whole interaction. You've built up negativity. You've already, yeah. Exactly. Already Straight from the off, the whole interaction is off key. And I'm sure we've all experienced this, right? Where we've talked to somebody not knowing they're a big shot, for example. Yeah. My friend Babs, the first time I met her, I thought she was like 10 years younger. She's like the dinkiest little... Benjamin Button, you'll ever meet. And I thought she was way younger than me, and she's not. And I was talking to her, like, as if she was a 22-year-old. And then when I found out her actual circumstances, I was like, well, I was just, everything that she was doing, I was allowing that to reinforce some wonky idea that I already had of her, you know? 
And then any... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The narrative that you've made exactly. already. And anything that didn't fit, I'd just be like, yeah. mm, well, that's weird. But anyway, let's... Whatever. You know? That's not... <laughs> that's no, not no, she's actually. 22. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you know, uh, that's weird then, because I was thinking of this when, when Don Cheadle's character is offered the kind of the, the promotion and it, it would look really good if there was a person of colour in that position. And that's really relevant to now mm-hmm. as well. Like we're seeing all these apologies from white based or white predominant yeah. companies saying we will now make sure that we have a person of colour representing this or we won't ever have a group without a person of colour again. And I'm like, Ugh. It kind of makes, I don't want the job because I'm brown. I don't want the job because don't make me, it's kind of, there's such a fine line between tokenism yeah. and, and genuine diverse, de, genuine diversity of thought and diversity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and I, it really kind of, in that moment, made me think about the posts that I've seen this week where I'm just like, oh, I know you're trying to do the right thing and I know you're calling yourself out. But if we take this down to the root of why we're doing it is the Black Lives Matter movement. Why does it take black people, people of colour, well, no, black people getting murdered for you to realise, oh my God, we're so white and this shouldn't mm-hmm. be the way it is? And why now do you are you like, we will make sure that our representative or on the board, we have a person of colour. It's good. I know. And this is the thing. It's contrived. so... At this stage, I think it has to be contrived because... In order to make that change, you just have to be like, it's going to be clunky and it's going to feel weird. And the first black person in the room is going to be like, well, I'm here because you're all a bunch of fucking idiots who weren't able to see with your own fucking eyes before this moment that there were no black people here. So... Yeah, I I feel, but then that fuels. I feel tokenized. That, that Shaniqua exactly. It fuels the Shaniqua storyline of well, what about the other people that didn't get your job? You only got I'm it thinking of you're the black. five, four or five better qualified white men who ought to have got your job, but you didn't got it because you got a leg yeah. up. And I think what's really important for people to remember, if you if you have any inklings like that in your heart, and that's okay, always go back two steps further than you think you need to go unpack that unpack that for example in theater for example we're just going to give the job to the best people and they happen to be white but we we met lots of other people so on and so on it's just that they happen to be white well that's all well and good when you look at it on the baseline level when you think about actually two graduates one is white one is east asian for example they leave drama school at the same time they go into the industry Mm. jim the white guy is working constantly In the first three years that he's out of drama school, he's done six plays and three telly jobs. Whereas John, who is East Asian, gets one or two jobs in very small roles, supporting roles, ensemble roles. There's huge, huge periods of unemployment in their chosen profession. Mm. And they maybe have never been on a TV or film set ever before. This was very much my experience as well, right? came out mm. nothing there was nothing maybe i'd get to wave a bit of incense around hey i got to be everyone's doctor yeah well we didn't even have doctors at that time <laughs> no you know i do think the south asian acting community had done so much work we were way way behind them absolutely and yeah. so yes i do not have as much experience as, as these people now five years on from being a graduate who had the exact same level of training we are miles apart i feel like such an imposter I haven't had the experience. This guy's been at the RSC, he's been at the National, he's been here. I've been at the FIMBRA once. You know, what you have to 
at some point go, well, if we're not going to give any opportunities, we're never going to build people up to the level that that white people get to. So it has to be contrived. I see what you mean. Yeah. You have to take it those those steps back and go, "Mm, yeah. And why is that? Why, you know, but there aren't any black presenters. Yeah. Why is that? This is the thing. Like, honestly, my biggest thing, and I can't remember whether we said on the Little Britain episode, it's it's why, Mm. why. If you think a certain way, ask yourself why. Don't not... That not to prove yourself wrong, if what you're saying is fact, actress, ask yourself why. If you see a group of people that make you feel a certain way, mm. ask yourself why. And if that that fact is true, ask yourself yeah. why. And if that fact is true, ask yourself why. And you'll come back to probably racism. Yeah. I mean, I know this is, we're still off on a tangent, but... I think... <laughs> is this a tangent? No, you're right, you're right. No, it's not. Fuck it. We probably have to wrap up. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus Christ, we probably do. But um, I told you about the neighbour of mine who I was delivering food for. He was cooking food. Mm-hmm. I was delivering it as part of the sort of volunteer COVID, you know, people who are sheltering, needing food. And he texted me a couple of weeks ago saying, I'm so sorry, the food's not ready uh, because there was some trouble on my road and I messaged him, oh, that's fine, don't worry. Like, what was the trouble? Hope everyone's okay. And he was like, oh, just Somalians cussing their usual shite. Now the women are at it, blah, blah, blah. And and doing all of that, but at the same time going, I know we shouldn't tell them all the same brush, but, you know, my dad, who is 97 and has colon cancer, who is also black, uh, have a heart. So... It was such a complicated thing and it's it's quite a crash thing. I definitely thought about it. it I, yeah, it definitely Because is. when I when it I really saw is. the message pop up on my phone, first of all, I felt sick and I was like, why do I have to deal with this? Hi. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I, so I had already my feelings about it, like my very black and white feelings about it. And then when I opened the full message, I saw the, my dad is black. He passes as white, this guy his dad is black and he sent me some photos of his dad afterwards as if to prove it because he knew Just to prove it oh that makes it okay yeah then. exactly and he said he'd already said i'm not racist but oh and he also said i know i shouldn't say that but my afro-caribbean neighbors um hate them as well so you know <laughs> and i just thought where do you start where do you go where do you teach it gave me it gave me a sleepless night i had a sleepless night i was like, i have to deal mm. with it um my first instinct I was wanted to say, oh, I'm so glad your dad is the right type of black and not the kind of black we get to be racist about. But I didn't because I'm really... Congratulations on having the right kind of yeah, black Yeah, exactly. Dad. But what I, what I really wanted to say and I thought, no, I'm not going to allow this person to disrupt my fucking aura as much as this. He's not mm-hmm. anyone who's related to me. I'm going to respectfully hand him. I'm going to say, that's not cool. That is racist. I'm going to move you on to another volunteer and goodbye forever, which is what I did. But his dad, who is Afro-Caribbean, who grew up in this area, as far as I can tell, that would have been exactly the same chat that you would have had 40 years ago about, oh, it's those yardies outside because, you know, and then they're women and they're this and they're that. And I'm not racist, but... (sighs) I'm not racist, And again, as you say, Emily, why? Why do you think that the community of Somalians around here are the ones that are, quote-unquote, causing all the trouble and on the street and this and that and da-da-da-da. And if if it's true, if that's a fact, if that's an absolute fact, why? What system are they living in? Where are they? 
What's yeah, happening? It's because it's because they're they're an immigrant underclass who are living in massively crowded quarters and they're pressurized in all sorts of situations to form gangs and it's a fucking and it's drama. Jesus Christ, we all no, angry. It's, it's a, there's a, they're very underprivileged. And that used to be the situation for your average Afro-Caribbean man in Holston 40 years ago. And now you're out of that space and you belong, quote, quote unquote, down. belong, and you're punching down. And it's even more complicated when you're a white man, you're a mixed race man who passes as white. It's a whole thing. So I do yeah. think the film does a good job of going, it is fucking complicated. It's very complicated. Yes. The the levels of the levels of prejudice on the surface and in and the microaggressions and the microaggressions it it does deal with very well. I think going back to your first question though, not that I want the film to tell us how to solve it. I don't want it to do that. But I did think, what's the yeah, message? Definitely, especially what when you're, you, you're ending with ludicrous and seraphonics, like having a little chuckle. It's like because it's sort yeah. of like. Oh God! I guess everyone's a fucking racist then. Oh well, let's just keep taking it out on each other. Oh, and we'll end with a montage of people, actually no white people either, being really angry and but racist it towards re- each other. Just to let you know that everyone's racist. I not guess. Just uh, white I guess people. they're trying to say that there was some redemption there. There was some sort of redemption for Terence Howard's character as well. There was. Where he and that that was a strong. I thought that was quite a strong storyline. It's sort of, it's trying to give us an idea that there's some redemption at the end of all of this, but actually everyone's just in a huge amount of pain and agony. And <laughs> and uh, would you like to watch a rom-com next? Yeah. You know? I will just, one, <laughs> one thing that's interesting is that the director who also wrote it, co-wrote it, Haggis, Haggis. Paul Haggis, who did Million Dollar Baby as well, um, he... <laughs> He was like, I was inspired. It's like a passion project of his. And as an Oscar winner, uh-huh. Best Picture, it costs six and a half million to make. Wow. It's like nothing, you know? Like it's the least amount yes. of money. In terms of films, nothing. Like in money. Yes, oh, yeah. But in money, in films, yeah. But nada. like you can't even do catering for six and a half million, I imagine. <laughs> anyway. And it was cast very yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, But he was like, I was inspired to make this film after I was car my Porsche was carjacked in LA and I was like wow what a life yeah. <laughs> what a life to lead um and the other thing was that there was a big thing about it winning an Oscar and there's a lot of chat still about there is about whether it is the worst Oscar winning Oscar best picture winner. Oscar winner yeah and that Brokeback Mountain yeah. should have won and so on and so on um and there's a very interesting discussion to be had around um how intrinsically homophobic the academy is over and above but yeah that's worth having a little google around if you're still hungry for more um crash trivia yeah anna is crash the movie still legit not crash the bandicoot (laughs) not crash the bandicoot not not crash the test dummy um yeah i think it's problematic but in in a good way i still think it's really it's worth watching. It's an important film. And I was looking at kind of... Uh, I was looking at some of the reviews. I of- thought it was going to be way more shit than it was. I thought it would be stronger than it was. I My biggest problem, and the reason I'm going to say it's not mm-hmm. legit, is because of... 
And I think it's Paul Haggis's fault. And, and I think it's an oblivious thing. I honestly feel like it's an oblivious... The white gaze, yeah. White saviour thing. The white gaze, um, the only characters that get a redemption um, or, or learn or grow are the I white I just don't think that they and, do. But I agree with you. No, but the... Matt, Matt Dillon's character, actually, he gets his slow-mo redemption shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sandra Bullock gets her, oh my God, I'm so lonely and I've been so wrong. Nobody, nobody else I don't think she's there. For us, it's not enough. But I mean, in terms of character, that is what's happening. Because I, I think Terence Howard's character is probably the most redempted one. But how? Because he... Because he gets out and speaks up for himself and Ryan Philippe saves him the white the white character saves him but then he has his I, I know what you mean but like oh he has a fucking little slow-mo think to himself but we don't see it we just throw some stuff into a car fire yeah i guess i thought we don't see it he doesn't get to vocalize he doesn't get to to vocally learn with us there's no redemption i think he does have redemption but it's just i don't know maybe i'm maybe i'm wrong maybe i should i think we yeah, have different Different. No, no, I know. I, I don't mind having different. I just don't want to be wrong. <laughs> it's just no because right I think wrong, this stimulated you know? a really interesting discussion. I think it's absolutely fucking bullshit. Matt Dillon, for no fucking reason, having the white saviour moment and pulling her out and everyone's meant to be like, oh, wow, you did your job. Well done. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it, and that's all. And there's lots of like, oh, mystical brown people. And oh. yeah, not a fan of any of that. But I, I just thought, it has given me so much to think about and the complications of it all are very rarely portrayed. So even though it might be quite clunkily portrayed, race is so complicated. And I think people who've been trying for so long to be like, I don't see colour, I don't see colour. This is a really yeah, important yeah. film to watch because... It, and, and now... Whether or not you ever, like it, yeah. It is very relevant. And Jennifer Esposito saying... I'm half Puerto Rican, half from El Salvador. I'm not fucking Mexican. But then she's like, oh, you didn't see my Blake lights, my Blake. It's all that. Like, you can yeah. you can be righteous as fuck on the spectrum that you see. But if there's another spectrum that you don't see or respect, you're racist. So it's yeah. a big job for us all. But I agree with you. You're, you are, you've identified the big issue, I think, with the film. And it's that I'm not in it. Which really upsets me. <laughs> but it was a really interesting one to watch and I'm really glad yeah. you did and I hope that if anyone has listened to this without watching it you don't need to now you're welcome yes. <laughs> it's very convoluted to discuss it's co- well it's a convoluted film so it was always going to be um, I'm going to ask a mm-hmm. favour please can we watch something light next week no I actually <laughs> thought please. nah we're going to watch Requiem for a Dream and then Schindler's List oh. <laughs> Yeah. And then Donnie Darko. Oh, okay. Um Yeah, okay, babe. I tell you bloody what. I'll tell you what we watch. Tell me what. Bridget Jones Diary. Oh fucking yeah. Bridget Jones Diary. Yeah. Yeah. In in some ways we're watching Pride and Prejudice, which is like we're going right back to Whitesville. Yeah, (laughs) that's what we all want, right? Well, we will be going to Whitesville. We're craving it. Uh, oh yeah that's good yeah so Jones's you know take this opportunity to wash crash out of your brain apart from the important race things and watch Bridget Jones Diary first film or maybe have a little look at the books have a little read at the book who is Helen Helen Fielding 
Helen Fielding, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, guys, we're doing a book, all right? Yeah. We said, we'd do it, we'd do it, we'd do it. But actually, it. we're just going to watch the film because it's easier. Okay. Yeah. Thoughts on Crash or Bridget Jones's Diary are absolutely welcome at is it still legit at gmail.com. And you can follow us you can follow us on socials at still legit podcast on Instagram yep. or egg comedy if you just want to talk yeah, to me and Anna. On Twitter and so on. Um, and also if you have any of these weird complicated race things that have come up in your life. Yes, please. Drop us a line because we love to hear it. That's all folks. See you next week. See you next week. Bye. Mm-hmm.